1: lightning fans you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the nhl it's the lightning insider podcast with eric erlinson get ready for insight historical perspective interviews and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the tampa bay lightning
0: beat now for the latest with the lightning here's eric
1: hello everyone happy holidays welcome to the lightning podcast i am eric erlinson From lightninginsider.com, that's where you can find all of my written work. There are monthly subscriptions available for $4.99 or yearly subscriptions available for $40 as well. If you want to check out that part of my work. I also want to welcome in a brand new sponsor. BetUS is now helping to sponsor this podcast. So as always, if you support them, that means you support me. And we'll get into that here in a little bit as well. A few things I want to cover in this edition of the podcast as we have a little bit of a void in the schedule, and I'll tell you why here shortly. I uh, want to talk about where the lighting are at right now as they are in the middle of the Christmas break, a little bit of a modified break, uh, sitting atop the league standings. We'll get into where they're sitting at right now. The Olympic absence yeah that's uh, that's a big topic here over the past few days and the reasons for it and who it affects the most and what it means for the NHL going forward plus we have some listener questions as always I really appreciate all the questions that you guys send in I love I love the interaction that we're able to have uh, to get those and uh, as usual there are some really good questions out there uh, involving this team so we'll get to those. A little bit towards the end of the program. Uh, but about our sponsor, um, BetUS, with the NHL underway, college bowl games in the process, not to mention the college football playoffs coming up, and the NFL playoffs fast approaching. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is betus.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800 69 BetUS. That's 800 MyBetUS, and you can receive a 125% sign up bonus by using the, using the bonus code BOLTS22. That's BOLTS22, B O L T S, the number 22. They have re up and referral bonuses as well, and BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all of your NBA and NHL games with team and player prop bets and loads of NFL futures and NFL odds up already. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf and round matchups, and live betting on most sports, including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy to navigate with full betting options, and it's available for Apple and Android users. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. All right, lightning are sitting at the top of the league standings as they enter the break. And what a wild and wacky past few days it was to get to the break for the Lightning. They defeated the Ottawa Senators at home back on December the 16th and were supposed to play the Colorado Avalanche. Two nights later, some players show up To the airport, a good portion of the traveling party actually was at the airport already when they got word due to a COVID outbreak with Colorado that that game was going to be canceled. So they stuck in town uh, on that Friday, uh, had a hard time finding some available ice. So they were off Friday, Saturday, got some practice time in before they left for Las Vegas, Practice in Las Vegas on Monday, played the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday, and as it turned out, they were the last game on the NHL schedule because the one earlier in the day, which was supposed to be played between Washington and Philadelphia, was also postponed due to a COVID situation involving the Capitals. So uh, COVID is certainly wreaking its havoc on the NHL schedule right now. But Tampa Bay was able to get that game in despite the fact that head coach John Cooper tests positive just a few hours, or the test results came back positive just a few hours before game time in Vegas. you know, It was a 7 p.m. local start. I think they got word about 4.30 or so that John Cooper was going to be unavailable for that game, but they were able to get the game in. The lighting go out to the West Coast, expecting to play three games. They only get in one because the game against Arizona was also canceled as the league shut down or went on pause, don't want to use shutdown, that gives you flashbacks to March 2020, went on pause, basically they started the Christmas break a couple of days early. Christmas break was supposed to be December the 24th, 25th, and 26th, with players and teams uh, able to come back on the 27th, uh, which is also when games were going to resume as well. So instead, they start the break on the 22nd. So the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th. There is no team activities. There's no testing. None of that's going to take place. Teams and players can report back to their facilities starting on Monday, the 26th, for practice and testing and uh, travel. Tampa Bay's next game is scheduled to take place on Tuesday, the 28th, against the Montreal Canadiens. We'll have to wait and see what's uh, what's going to take place here over the coming days before we can get back to that. But with Tampa Bay able to get in that game against Vegas and pull out a 4-3 victory coming from behind down 3-1, scoring three unanswered goals to win the game 4-3, Stephen Stamkos converting on a power play in the third period to cap off the comeback. Andre Vasilevsky, as usual, was fantastic in net. 38 saves to pick up that win. And what it does, through 30 games, Tampa Bay has 44 points. And during the pause, they actually sit at the top of the table, if we can borrow a term from our soccer fans, including myself. But they are at the top of the league standings. Uh, They were able to leapfrog over both Toronto and the Carolina Hurricanes with that victory as they sit again with 44 points, and Carolina's at 43, Washington's at 43, Toronto at 42, the Rangers at 42, Florida at 40, Minnesota 40, Vegas 40, Anaheim 40. You can see it's pretty tight at the top of the standings, but Tampa Bay does sit alone through 30 games, which is pretty much in line with everybody around them. Carolina's played 29, Washington 31, Uh, The Leafs, the Rangers at 30, Florida's at 29, Minnesota's at 30. So the number of games is around the same, even though they were uh, almost felt like the last passengers on the Titanic that the Lightning and Vegas Golden Knights were able to get in that last game before the league went on pause a few days earlier than expected. And if you would have said in October, even November, with the injury to Nikita Kucherov, and then you lose Braden Point just before Thanksgiving. You lose Eric Chernak, comes back for a couple games, and then you lose him again for an extended period of time. Those are three pretty key members of this team who eat a lot of minutes, have a huge role on this team. If you would have said that the team would be sitting at 20, 6, and 4 with 44 points, it's actually the second best Point percentage in the league only behind Carolina. If you would have said that back in October and November, I'm not sure who would have believed you because that's a huge chunk of important pieces out of your lineup. And yet, the newly named Tampa Bay Find a Ways, courtesy of Steven Stamkos with that moniker, just continue to find ways to win games. Now, as I said at the time of the injuries, especially when point went down, since they were already missing Nikita Kucherov, as long as you have Andre Vasilevsky in net, you're going to have a chance to win games. You're just going to. So, yes, you lose a huge part of your team and, and two key offensive players, and we wondered who was going to be able to step up and provide some of that offense. You know, and, and you've seen Corey Perry and Pat Maroon and. You know, Pierre Edouard Belmar gets a goal the other night, and, you know, Taylor Radish has stepped up his game. You know, we're starting to see some productions. Gabe Fortier gets his first career NHL game the other night to open the scoring against Vegas. So they found a way to get some of that depth scoring that we wondered whether would be there because it wasn't there a ton in the opening 20 games of the season. But they found it, and when you have 88 net, you have a chance to win games. And you know, the game against Vegas is a perfect example. They opened the scoring and then it was all Vegas. I mean, Fortier scores about seven minutes into the game. It's all Vegas until about the five minute uh five minutes left in the second period mark. So you're talking a good thirty five minutes, meh, thirty minutes, in which Vegas dominated play. They had the puck, the lighting couldn't complete a pass. Every first pass out of their zone looked like it was Heading back to Tampa already. It looked like their minds were already back in Tampa, wondering what was going to happen. It was a challenge to get this game in, so I can't imagine how mentally challenging it was. And then you find out you know, a couple hours before game time that your head coach has tested positive for COVID. So it's not a huge shock the way Vegas was able to come out and, and start that game. But you have 88 net. And he keeps you in games. So even though they fall down 3-1, they get a power play goal from Mark Stone. They get a bad defensive coverage that leads to a second goal from Mark Stone early in the second, a minute and a half in. And then, you know, watching um, Nicholas Waugh just dance around Victor Hedman. I mean, not many players are going to make Victor Hedman look foolish. And he just figured, you know, it was going to be one of those nights where Outside circumstances was affecting the, the, the team. But again, Anze Vazilewski keeps you in the game. You get a key goal from Belmar uh, with about five minutes to go. Actually, it was about three minutes to go. Uh, on a nice setup from Corey Perry behind the net, a workman-like shift that kind of starts to set the tone. That's what this line is already starting to be known for and how they can approach games. Uh, and then... You know, 43 seconds after Belmar makes it 3-2, Anthony Sorelli makes it 3-3, and all of a sudden what was a completely dominated game by the Vegas Golden Knights is tied. It revitalized Tampa Bay. You could see their play was much different in the third. They get the power play opportunity, and they take advantage of it on a Stamkos one-timer with four seconds to go on the power play, a franchise record 65th game-winning goal for Steven Stamkos, and you come out with a victory. They just found a way, and we've, we've mentioned that many times. You've heard John Cooper say that many times, and then the great line from, from Stamkos after the Ottawa game that they win 2-1, to one, the Tampa Bay find a ways. They just, there's so much talent, and this is, this is a difference between the maturity and the understanding of where this team is, where this franchise is with the, with the core players that they have compared to three, four years ago. Where, yeah, they could score their way out of problems. They could, you know, win games that maybe they didn't deserve to. You know, even when Andre Vasilevsky went down and Louis Domingue had to carry the load for about a month. You know, yeah, they found ways to win games. But this is different. They could find ways to win those type of games a few years ago because they could score their way out of problems. They were so talented you know, the the Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov and Tyler Johnson and Steven Stamkos and, you know, all the offensive numbers that they could put up. This is different. They can find ways to grind games out. The Ottawa game was that way. They just found a way to grind it out and pick up two points. And you've heard me talk many times that the early part of the season is all about just getting points and keeping yourself involved, keeping yourself up in the standings, avoiding Long losing streaks, avoiding losing streaks at all. You don't always have to put together long winning streaks, but you have to avoid the losing streaks, and this team has done that. And here they sit with 44 points, top of the league standings, and then with this little break, and again, they're scheduled to come back on the 28th, but remember, border crossings were shut down. All, all games involving you know, Canadian teams that had to cross the border to play in the U.S. or vice versa were postponed while your first opponent supposedly coming out of the break is going to be the Montreal Canadiens. So where are they at? Where are they at was COVID. They had a couple of positive COVID cases before the break. Uh, Again, there's no testing until the 26th. So we'll have to see where things go. We'll have to see if, you know, they come up with new um, protocols coming out. You know, we've seen the NFL do this. The NBA... is uh, is doing this as well. We'll have to see if the NHL follows. Uh, The big problem, that, of course, is the Canadian government and a little bit more restrictive in movements and the number of teams that cross the border. Uh, Remember, the NFL, of course, has no teams in Canada, and the NBA only has one in Toronto, whereas the NHL has seven Canadian franchises, so it kind of complicates what they might want to do with some of the protocol situations. So we'll have to see Moving forward, uh, coming out of this break, if we see anything different. But again, the Lightning are scheduled to come back on the 28th. And I would fully expect that if that game is played as scheduled, that Braden Point will be ready. He's been back practicing with the team for a couple of weeks. He was in that red no contact jersey up through Sunday. When the team practiced in Vegas on Monday, he no longer had the no contact jersey. So that means he's been cleared for contact. And uh, I would fully expect that when the team resumes play, he will be ready to play. And then it will be a short time after that that Nikita Kucherov is expected to be ready as well as he's been practicing with the teams and he's been taking line rushes with Nikita, uh, with Braden Point. So uh, imagine a team with the injuries. And, and again, no straight update on Eric Chernak. Uh, all John Cooper said previously was uh, out until after Christmas. Um, so we don't have an exact timeline on him. I did get hurt again at the beginning of December. It was that first Saturday in December. So, uh, you know, we saw him on crutches. We saw the walking boot. Um, even as recently as last week, my understanding is he was still on crutches. Uh, so we, we might be getting close to that four-week mark with him if it was, and this is just speculation, If it was any type of a fracture uh, in the foot or the boot or the lower leg area, wherever he took that puck off of his lower body, Um, you know, we're getting close to that full week mark. Zach Bogosian missed four weeks when he took a a puck off his boot uh, in the game in the season opener against Pittsburgh. Uh, So we might not be that far away from Eric Chernak either, even though he has not yet resumed skating with the team. I would anticipate that that might be the case when the team comes back, that he might be on skates depending on where he's at in his recovery. But you're going to get those three players back, and you're already at the top of the standings. Now the one cautionary tale is that sometimes when you lose key players, as the Lightning did, you can withstand it for a short period of time. Lightning would have done better than that. Uh, but then when those players come back, there, there tends to be a dip, a little bit of a lull, if you will. So that's the one caution thing that you have to look for. I asked Steven Stamkos about that last week and you know they're they're cognizant of that situation, but again, the maturity of this team, maybe we don't see that. Maybe it offers that boost, maybe that bolsters them a little bit. It's certainly going to help the power play, which has certainly had its struggles through a good portion of this year. So again, Tampa Bay on top of the league standings here at the uh, modified holiday break. Uh, and a reason for the holiday break, of course, coming a few days early is the rash of positive COVID cases around the league. Uh, I think at last check, it was up upwards of 120 players were placed in COVID protocols, which led to the postponement. We're up to 50 total games that have been postponed. Uh, one of them has already been replayed. Another one is scheduled between the Islanders and Rangers for March. But you have 48 games on the schedule that are going to have to be rescheduled, and I don't envy the schedule maker here. The, uh, the 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 It's a tight schedule. This is this is an Olympic season. This is an Olympic year. The Olympics are scheduled to take place in February in Beijing, China, and uh, you know even just looking to try and reschedule the postponed game between Colorado and Tampa Bay. Colorado's 15 games in January. I think the Lightning have 15 or 16 games in March, and there was just no way around at that point of finding ways to squeeze in some of these games. I mean, the, the Florida Panthers have been shut down for you know, a week and a half. Calgary's been shut down since the middle of December. You know They've got a number of games that have to be made up. So with that, the league and the NHLPA did come out and say that the Olympics – NHL participation in the Olympics is no longer feasible, which means we don't get the best-on-best best tournament. I'm a huge fan of NHL players at the Olympics. Huge fan of it. I, I wish they would have went in 18. Uh, they were supposed to go back this year. Uh, they have committed themselves to participating in 2026, which is great. Uh, and, and look, people will say, well, play a World Cup of hockey. I'm sorry, it's not the same it's not the same especially the last one that they had yeah it was a lot of fun watching team north america right with the the young players the austin matthews and the connor mcdavid and you know they were all eligible for that team north america but they weren't rep so they weren't representing their country you know you were going to have an opportunity for connor mcdavid and sidney crosby to be on a line matched up against austin matthews in a in a us canada game Right? What was Canada's goaltending gonna look like? Who was gonna backstop a, probably the deepest team the US would ever put on Olympic ice? Looking forward to so many of those moments. You know, Mikhail Sergachev and Nikita Kucherov and Andre Vazilevsky on Team Russia, you know, always a wild card in that type of a tournament. We're not gonna see it. It's extremely disappointing. That that's not going to happen because those are a lot of fun. And again, the World Cup is not the same. You can't... You're competing in the World Cup. Yes, it's a best-on-best tournament. There's no doubt. But it's not the same. It's not... You can't call yourself an Olympian for playing in the World Cup of Hockey. You can't win a gold medal. You can't win an Olympic medal in the World Cup of Hockey. It can only be done in the Olympics, and you have to be devastated if you're a fan of Steven Stamkos, that he might not get the chance. He might never get that opportunity to call himself an Olympian. In 2010, he was only in his second year. Yeah, he was on the way to a 51-goal season, ended up sharing the Rocket Richard Trophy with Sidney Crosby, but we know Canada is so deep as a 19-year-old He wasn't going to get picked, and he wasn't. And then in 2014, of course, he suffers the devastating broken leg situation on November the 11th, was named to the team in January, but couldn't quite get himself back and ready to play in February and was unable to go to Sochi and Russia. Canada did go on to win the gold medal in that tournament. Uh, Steven Stamkos did actually receive a gold medal, but he didn't get to play. He didn't get to contribute. You know, it's not that it's an empty medal. I mean, it's, it's still an Olympic medal, and it means something, but he wasn't a participant, and there's always that, that feeling that, okay, it's great that I have this, but I didn't really contribute to it, even though he was named to the initial roster. And then, of course, in 2018, the league didn't go. It was, I I didn't like the decision then. I I thought once they were committed, starting back in 98, that they should go every year. I think they owed it to the fans. I think they owed it to the Olympics. I understand there's a lot of owners that don't like it. There's a lot of fans that don't like it because it disrupts the season at a point in time. And this is key. At a point in time where they're about the only thing on the schedule. By now, the Super Bowl is done. Major League Baseball, spring training doesn't even start for another, you know, until the beginning of March. Yeah, pitchers and catches report, but it's not the same. You know, you have the NBA going on. You do have college basketball, of course, you know, in the in conference play at that point. But it's a it's a window of opportunity for people to tune into your game from an NHL standpoint, and, and I get that. I get that. But it's still there's nothing like An Olympic tournament where it's best on best, country on country. You know, you get great stories. I mean, Christer's Gudlevsky's, excuse me, and the performance he put on during the 2014 games where he almost beat Canada single handedly. The shots were something like 55 to 12 or something ridiculous like that. But it was a tight game late. I believe it was a Shea Weber power play goal. It ended up being the difference. You know, you think of moments like that. We're robbed of them. We don't get that opportunity on the global stage. And I know there's no way to quantify the exposure that the league gets by participating in the Olympics. And certainly you can't quantify it from a financial standpoint. But the exposure element. I mean, think about... TJ Oshie and the shootout performance he put on against Russia 2014 right he got an endorsement deal out of it you know so we're robbed of moments like that don't be left out make sure you subscribe to the lightning insider on apple Podcasts, spotify and anywhere else where podcasts are found now here again is Eric, but you really have to feel specifically for Steven Stamkos. And when he was asked this question, you could just tell from the tone of his voice how disappointed he was from the decision to not send players to the Olympics this year after being committed, uh, only because of all the COVID cases and the number of games that have to be rescheduled, which will now be utilized during that February three-week window and as of right now, Tampa Bay only has two games, so it'll be interesting to see how it works out for them with just the two games in that three weeks to have to reschedule. And of course, you've got the Stadium Series game in Nashville at the end of the month as well, uh, leading up to that. So that'll be very interesting to see how that's all how, um, how that's all handled. But just I want you to listen to Steven Stamkos here uh, when he was asked the question about the Olympics because, like I said, you can really tell how much it meant to him if you could have been called an Olympian, which he will not be.
2: Yeah, it's it's disappointing. Like I've mentioned before, uh, anytime you can put on, you know, your respective country's jersey in a best-on-best best event, there's there's really no feeling like that. So it's difficult. I mean, I look back and, you know, whether I was going to be on the team or not this year, that, that was my f- third legitimate chance of playing in the Olympics. And here I am sitting, probably not even going to get to, to play a game. So it's... It sucks when you look, when you look at it like that. Um, obviously the injury and then last year, or last time we didn't go, you know, had a good chance to make it there this year. You know, obviously had a, a good start to the year and was in the mix. So it's, it's disappointing, but at the same time, there's not much that, that, that we can do. That's, that's the way it goes. Sometimes, you know, you, you get lucky and you get a chance throughout the course of your career. And for whatever reason, the Olympic card just, just hasn't worked out in, in my favor. So it's, uh, it sucks, like I said, you know you grow up dreaming of winning a Stanley Cup, you know I've been able to accomplish that, and then uh you grow up representing your country at, at the Olympics and winning a gold medal, and that's something that uh you know probably won't have a a chance to do now,
1: yep, you can hear it, you can hear that tone uh and exactly what it meant, and this was on a game day, so again, going back to what I talked about earlier about trying to focus for that game against Vegas, you had the crazy situation, the last game played, the Olympic news though not official at that point had been known, especially to the players you know so you can kind of encapsulize all that and then I guess it's kind of fitting that he goes out and, and scores the game winning goal in that situation and the assist came to Victor Hedman who's another player who sort of falls a little bit in line of Stamkos because Stamkos is one of the Greatest players of his generation, based on his numbers. You know, since he entered the league, only him and Alex Ovechkin have more than 400 goals since the 2008-2009 season. And Stamkos has the second most. Of course, nobody's catching Ovechkin who's going to go down as the greatest goal scorer in league history. So Stamkos is a generational player, as is Victor Hedman. And Victor Hedman, believe it or not, Has never represented Sweden at the Olympics because it was his rookie year in 2010. Remember, he was a second overall pick in the 2009 draft. So he wasn't selected for the Olympics in 2010. And then in 2014, still scratching my head over this one, all these years later, Hedman was not deemed one of the best seven defensemen to represent. Team Sweden at the Olympics. And here was the other group of, of defensemen in fourteen. Alex Edler, Oliver Ekman Larsen, Jonathan Erickson, Nicholas Sharmelson, Nicholas Kronvall, Johnny Oduya, and Henrik Talander, were these seven defensemen picked for Sweden in two thousand and fourteen, so he didn't get a chance to, to represent his country. Didn't go in 18, and then he loses his chance. He was already named to the Olympic roster. Remember the, the IHF had each uh, federation name three players to their initial roster, and, and Victor Hedden was named for Team Sweden. So he might not get that chance because by the time you get through another Olympic cycle, it's 2026, well, they're both going to be 35, 36 years of age at that point and I'm not saying it's impossible it's a much more difficult prospect for Stamkos because of how deep canada always is at the forward ranks it's going to be it won't be as difficult necessarily for victor hedman especially with the way he skates you know to be a part of a potential 2026 but that's a long ways away. Four years is a long way off for them to get that opportunity again. And look, that doesn't discount John Cooper, who was going to be Team Canada's head coach. And the number of times he's been asked questions, especially when the team has been in Canada, about being the head coach for Team Canada. He was looking forward to it. It's a, it's a dream of his. You know, He's been involved with the World Championships. Not the same. Eric Chernak had already been named for Team Slovakia. Andre Palat had already been named for the Czech Republic. Andrei Vasilevsky and Nikita Kutrov had already been t- named for Team Russia. Mikhail Sergachev most certainly would have been named to the team. Jan Ruda probably would have been in the running for the Czech Republic. Ryan McDonough, if they wanted a veteran defenseman, and we know how well Uh, Mac has played. He could have been in the running for Team USA. The Lightning were looking at having the potential of 11 players or coaches over there, because I'll throw Andre Schuster in there as well. I don't know how deep the Czech Republic defensive core is, but he would have been somebody under consideration as well. So that's a lot of uh, dreams dashed for a lot of Lightning players, and of course... Uh, potentially just devastating uh, in terms of that aspect of uh, Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman, if they don't ever get that opportunity to play in the Olympics, it's uh, it has to be disappointing for for those guys for sure. All right, again, well, we're going to have to keep an eye on things here over the few days uh, as we all hopefully get to spend some time with our families and celebrate the holidays a little bit um, in terms of what's gonna what the league is going to look like on the other side. So just you know, stay tuned to lightninginsider.com and my Twitter feed and everything else for uh, everything that we can uh, figure out uh, what the league is going to do when we get back. All right, your questions. Again, some pretty good questions to consider here. Uh, again, if you ever have them, for the podcast or anything else, uh, AskEE is the hashtag on Twitter to find me. Uh, from Pat, um, who asked back on December the 14th, is Zach Bogosian the only player on the uh, Lightning with no face shield? I don't know that for fact, Pat. Um, it's probably correct because, remember, similar to... Helmets, remember Craig McTavish was the last guy to go helmetless in the NHL because it became mandated. Face shields are now mandated for players uh, coming in. I forget, the, I forget the year in which they came in, but they were required to wear face shields. Uh, players who were in the league before that are grandfathered in, uh, so Bogosian falls under that category. Um, so I don't know if he's the only one. I would have to take a better look at it, but uh, that's probably a good bet because there's so many younger players on this team. Uh, Nowadays that they would have been. Required at the point. Uh, From drunk. Kalorn is pulling out of the Olympics. A blessing in disguise for the lightning. And do you think Stamkos. Will still make it in 2026. Uh, I hate to say a blessing in disguise. Obviously no team has played more hockey. In the calendar year. um, Or in the last year period. Than the lightning. Going back to the bubble. So. Uh, adding on uh, a bunch of, as I just mentioned, the 11 or so players uh, playing extra games in the Olympics. Uh, yeah, it would have been a, a, a wear down. There's no doubt that's additional high-pressure games. Um, I hate to say blessing in disguise. If if, if you're um, looking at it from that viewpoint, I could see why you would think that. Uh, but again, I, I'm a huge fan of the Olympics. I would have loved, loved to have seen it. Uh, and then... Instead, as of right now, only two games to have to reschedule in February for Tampa Bay. So um, it's just uh, just something we'll have to keep an eye on. And then I, I, you know, I talked about Stamkos and his chance in 2026. Uh, from Igor Gulin, uh both Boris Kuchuk and Taylor Radish have to clear waivers to be sent down to the AHL. So how do you think Tampa Bay will manage all the youngsters, including Cal Foote, who was also... Uh, and would have to be placed on waivers once everyone is healthy again. Uh, well, Gabe Fortier would go down. Uh, and right now they're they're carrying seven defensemen and just 12 forwards. So there's room uh, for two more guys to come off of uh, injured reserve and be in a lineup. Uh, actually, they're carrying just six defensemen uh, as they go into the break. So there's roster space. that to happen uh and I and I guess the actual question here is playing time excellent question I remember when these two injuries happened to Kucherov and Brayden Point they didn't have Riley Nash Riley Nash is now in the mix of veteran right hand center who's been killing some penalties uh, playing on the fourth line um I think has done well for himself uh, since he's come on board here um you know, so does that mean that the two rookies, Kuchuk and radish, uh, come out of the lineup? Ugh, yeah, it's it's a good problem for coaches to have. They will tell you that they would much rather have to make those type of decisions who has to come out uh, rather than saying, you know, well, we know who has to come out, right? So uh, it's going to be a, it's gonna be hard decisions. Uh, but I would imagine that uh, you know, when you're rookies, that's probably where things are going to end up having um down the line the effect that it's going to have is going to be on the rookie players uh from Tampa Sports Girl with the covid outbreak do you see team organizations scaling back on fan attendance um uh, that that all that stuff is on a region by region basis you know we already saw montreal have to play a game against philadelphia in front of no fans because Restrictions are tighter in Montreal, uh, Toronto, and I believe British Columbia are going to 50 percent capacity. The World Juniors, which open on Boxing Day, December the 26th, in Edmonton and Red Deer, Alberta, also going to 50 percent capacity. Uh, here in the states, I don't know if you're going to see reductions, but I, I, you know, I did see that uh, in Chicago, you're going to have to have proof of a vaccination, not just proof of a negative COVID test. You have to prove that you are vaccinated and you will be required to wear a mask. So we've seen other teams, but it's based not necessarily on the teams, and it's not a league thing. It's more of a region-by-region, a state-by-state situation. So um, it won't be a league-wide thing. It'll have to be on a case-by-case basis. Uh, From Joyce, how realistic is it for John Cooper to be up for the Jack Adams? It always depends on who you ask, and it all comes down to the voting pool. I've said it many times, you know, going back to the disappointment in 2019 when he was a Jack Adams runner-up to Barry Trotz. His best coaching job came during the nineteen twenty season when they were kind of middling around by Christmas, and then they end up going to uh, win the Stanley Cup. Now, the voting, of course, was done before that, before the playoffs started, as they always are. It is a regular season award Um, So it just comes down to the voters. And the voters in this case are the broadcasters. These are the ones who vote for the Jack Adams. We're biased. We see him every day. I've been pitching it on Twitter and on radio stations that I've gone to. I don't know why he wouldn't be considered for it this year. Right? Lose Kucherov three games in. Lose Braden Point for six weeks. And yet you sit at the top of the standings uh, come the Christmas break. Now, of course... It's all based on what happens the rest of the regular season as well. But should he be a candidate for it? Yes. Will he be? Again, depends on the voting pool. Uh, from Kenny, how do we get Paul Porter into the Hall of Fame? Uh, great question. Uh, I'm not sure there's actually any PA guys in the Hall of Fame, if we're talking about Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, you know, But Paul Porter, of course, the PA announcer at Amalie Rita, also does it for Orlando Magic Games. Actually has his own commercial, a Geico commercial. That's run in the Orlando market. Um, famous. The first time I heard about Paul Porter was during the 95 NBA Finals between the Magic and the Rockets, where the Rockets were complaining about uh, his calls over the PA. Um, but I don't know that there's actually a place in the Hall of Fame for PA announcers. That's an interesting question, though. Uh, Thomas from Lutz. Um, how does Julian Brisbois fit Kucherov in under the cap when he comes back? uh he was already under the cap, right so this is not any different from the start of the season when he's eligible when he's ready to come back there's not going be have to, there won't have to be much maneuvering to be able to bring him off now remember they started the season with twenty two players on the roster um that was without Riley Nash remember that's why they sent alex Barry belay on on waivers and lost him to Seattle for a brief period of time um, so the, it, it he'll fit under the cap there won't be any Uh, constraints in terms of that so there's no salary cap concerns major concerns anyway he'll be able to fit Uh, from Meg when will we know if the December 28th game against Montreal is still on Uh, probably at the earliest would be the twenty sixth, assuming the team resumes practice that day Uh, they go into the facilities that day Uh, remember there's no testing taking place during this time so testing COVID testing will resume Once we get to the 26th, and that's why I say it's going to be interesting to see if behind the scenes there's some alterations to the testing situation that they have uh, in terms of how that's going to take place, as we've seen the NFL and the NBA do here in this period of time. So it's just going to be a question of what things look like once we get to the 26th. So it might not even be until the 27th we know for sure what goes on, because that would be the day Montreal would have to travel to Tampa to play that game. I don't think, and we've seen some teams fly day of game here in the last uh, couple of weeks, but that's a long trip coming from Montreal. That's a three-hour flight minimum. Uh, I don't think they wouldn't want to have that situation, so we would certainly know by the 27th. Uh, From Matthew, I've been super impressed with the new faces. Upside is awesome, too. Who wins if you put Tyler Johnson, Mitchell Stevens, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow versus Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, Corey Perry, Pierre Edward Belmar, and Riley Nash. Solid matchups. Um doo-doo-doo. I'd probably have to go with uh I mean just the the Gord Blake Goodrow line probably gives that group an advantage if we want to put him on a on a head to head matchup situation. He also adds um P. S. Does Gabe Fortier have a little bit of Yanni Gord look to him? I think he's more Cedric Paquette with some scoring touch. That's how I see Gabriel Fortier. That's how I think he plays the game. It's his approach to the game. We saw that his first NHL game. Kind of has that mentality about him. You know, the the old phrase from Al Murray, is he a bolt? While the way that Gabe Fortier plays uh, is is he fits that criteria uh, big time for sure. So um, impressed with Gabriel Fortier. He got his little cup of coffee. Uh, certainly when the, everybody gets healthy, he'll be the guy that ends up going back to Syracuse uh, when uh, players start to get healthy. Last one here from our friend Projemic. Do you still think Julian Breezeball will make a move at the trade deadline? If yes, on what position and what type of player? I think he does. I think the depth at right-handed shot defenseman is something that has to be looked at. Um, I think Zach Bogosian has played above what I think we all thought he would be. Uh, he's been great for the first half of the season, not quite halfway there yet, but for the first few months of the season coming back from the injury. Uh, Jan Ruda is just a steady, steady partner for Victor Hedman. He's become so much better at defending um, you know, against the rush. Uh, his turnovers have come way down. Uh, he's not quite the turnover machine that he has been the past couple of years. Uh, of course, when Eric Chernak is healthy, uh, Cal Foote, I'd be worried about Calfoot in a playoff situation right now, because if he gets beat, he doesn't have the speed to recover. So that's why I would look at right-handed shot depth, in, in in terms of maybe an addition at the deadline. Um, and if not that, um, you know maybe a lower line, you know type of forward. You know the top six is pretty good. Uh, the line of Perry, Belmar, and Maroon have been really good. Uh, you got Riley Nash now, so there is a veteran presence. So, you know, do you want to bring in another veteran? You know, they talked about the depth, at right-handed center, which is something that took a hit with uh, Point out of lineup. Stamkos was the only right-handed center who could take draws for a while. Of course, Point is right-handed as well. You know, so is that some area that they look at as well? But, yeah, I do fully expect that with the shape that the team is in now and Julian's approach, as we've seen the last two trade deadlines, I do expect him to bring in a move. I I don't know that it'll be a a splash, uh, but I do think there will be something to bring in for this team. All right, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Uh, By the way, I wanted to pass along um, John Cooper with uh, the, the positive COVID test. Mild symptoms, from my understanding. Uh, no major issues with him. Um, you know, so that's, that's good news on that front, and we'll have to see what that means uh, along the way here. Uh, don't forget about the new sponsorship here with BetUS. Uh, make sure you use that code Bolt 22 uh, That's at BetUS.com if you want to check them out if you're into sportsbooks and everything that they can provide for you. So, again, that's BetUS. Use the code Bolt Twenty Two. Uh, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, a Happy New Year. Uh, Hopefully we get uh, things back on track here as soon as we get through um, the Christmas break and hopefully the NHL schedule does come back as anticipated. All right. Thanks again, as always. Thanks for the questions, everybody. Thanks for always listening, always supporting, and everything else you've done for me. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.